everyone. What a beautiful day to read a story. Um, for those that don't know, this book, does anyone know it? Yeah, great. I was given this book when I was in hospital with cancer as a child and um, a very special lady called Tessa gave me this book and it became my um, imaginative escape from the hospital ward, uh, which was a bit different back then to now. There were no Captain Starlights or fish tanks or clowns back then. It was all nurses and doctors that I was a bit scared of. But this book really did help me in my recovery. So today uh, I'm going to read it to you. And what I'd like you to do um, afterwards, or even during, feel free to get up and look, is these are the paintings from the book by Kit Williams all around the pavilion. And in every one of those paintings is a hare, as in a rabbit. And sometimes they're really obvious and sometimes they're hidden. So see if you can work out where they are after the, after the story. So this is Masquerade by Kit Williams, my favourite book in the entire world. Once upon a perfect night, unclouded and still, there came the face of a pale and beautiful lady. The tresses of her hair reached out to make the constellations and the dewy vapours of her gown fell soft upon the land. This lady, whom all mortals call the moon, danced a merry dance in the pathless sky, for she had fallen in love and the object of her devotion was the sun. Although all happiness was in her dance, there was also a little sadness, for whenever the dance led her into the same part of the sky as the sun, she seemed to simply fade away and feared the sun might never notice her. The sun, for his part, and contrary to his appearance, was always sad. The one thing he wished for most in the world was a friend. But when people looked at the sun, they immediately screwed up their faces and turned away, which made the son think he must be terribly ugly. On this night, the lady of the pale complexion resolved to make herself known to the son by sending him a token of her affection. To this end, she asked the man who plays the music to stop playing for a while. Then she plucked from the sea of clouds a most brilliant rose-coloured moonstone. Next, with a little gold taken from the dawn sky, she cunningly wrought a splendorous jewel that was the perfect mirror of her love. It had about it a beauty more permanent than the soft lip or a flashing eye, a beauty that is forever and mocks time. So you can see in that picture, this is the son who thinks he's ugly. Does anyone here think the son's ugly? No! We just squint a bit, but it's because he's so beautiful. And here's the moon, and she's really beautiful, and she loves him. So she has sent, she's created a jewel, which is on the back of the book there. It's a rabbit. When the work was done and the stone was set, the pale and beautiful lady sent for her special messengers, the frog and the hare. The hare, because he was as swift as the wind, and the frog for his wisdom as old as the hills. Jack Hare, said she, listen well. I entrust you with this amulet, and you have but one day to deliver it to my lord, the sun. Take care, for the way of the little messenger is full of dangers, and yours especially so. Through earth and air and fire and water you must journey until you reach my lord, the sun. When you have reached him, show him the jewel and say to him it will be his if he will only give me the answer to this riddle. 
Fifty is my first. Nothing is my second. Five just makes my third. My fourth vowel is reckoned. Now to find my name, fit my parts together. I'd die if I get cold, but never fear cold weather. See if you can get mum and dad to help you with that one. You know it? Oh, you're great. Now be off, Jack, and be quick. And you, Frog, you must follow Jack's fortune and help him when you can. Although his legs, like yours, are long, his brain is very small, and he may falter in this errand. Jack set off with a great bound and a purposeful expression, pretending he knew exactly where to go and how to get there, even though he didn't. But it wasn't long before he was most terribly lost and just jogged along, muttering to himself. Bump! He was so caught up in his own little troubles that he hadn't noticed the penny pockets lady on the road selling her fortunes. Where's your penny, long ears? A penny for your fortune. I've got no penny, said Jack. No penny? No penny? Then why go bumping into people? Have you no manners? No? Oh, yes. I mean, I just want to know which way to the sun, please. Hmm. If you've no penny, then you must answer this riddle. I have a little house. Its windows number plenty. It's full of flowers that no man picked. And you may have it when it's empty. <laughs> Jack answered directly, as it was so simple, or is it, and licked his lips and whiskers. Now which way to the sun? The lady took her hand from her pocket and pointed up. Jack looked up and was astonished to see far above him a tiny figure moving from cloud to cloud. Just then, the being swooped down to hover a few inches above his head. Good morning, how did you do? Asked Jack, remembering his manners but forgetting his grammar. Hello, my name's Tara. Tara Treetops. Tara's from the Latin, you know. And this is my friend, Craw. Isn't he handsome? Handsome, 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 said Craw, and puffed himself out to show all of his pretty black feathers. Nasty bird, thought Jack, but didn't say so. We were looking for lost dreams, said Tara. They're all up there in the clouds, and when the clouds become too full, they fall down again. The nasty ones as hailstones and thunder, and the gentle ones as gentle rain with rainbows. Most of them are quite boring, though, like bishops' dreams of corduroy trousers and bicycles for prime ministers. But sometimes I'm lucky enough to find the feasts of shipwrecked sailors or the palaces of chambermaids. Hey, what's your dream? I want to find the sun, said Jack. Hmm, very well, said Tara. But first, you must hear my riddle. I have a little sister in the field she's seen, dressed in yellow petticoats and gowns of green. She is not a bird and she cannot sing like me. But she can fly without a wing. Now jump with me and you may find the sun behind a cloud. The little hare jumped for all he was worth and up and up and up he went over the treetops, over the church steeple and over the clouds. But the higher he got, the smaller the sun became. That's Jack jumping. 
As the hare got close to where the sun ought to be, he heard the most terrible hullabaloo. All the people of the earth had taken kettles and pans and sticks and pots and drums and guns and gongs and were making a fearful din, and this is the reason why. The Lady Moon, disregarding all advice given to her by the other celestial bodies, had disobeyed Newton's universal law of gravitation. And instead of continuing her dance in her prescribed orbit, she had stayed behind to watch with anticipation the progress of the little hare. It was in thus doing that the unhappy moon was the instrument of her own undoing. To understand completely, you need to solve this simple riddle. Now listen closely. I am the beginning of eternity, followed by half a circle, close on by half a square. Through my fourth, my fifth is seen, to be the first in every pair. My sixth begins my seventh, the end of time and space. Now put my parts together to see what's taken place. If you put all of those together, you get the word eclipse. When the lady realised what she had done and saw the hare falling out of the sky and all the other animals running in terror for their lives, she opened her mouth and screamed, a horrible, silent, ghostly scream, the sort of scream that will turn the milk, sour the cream, blight a crop and lame a horse as it stands in its stall. All the horrors of the night came forth in this one dreadful scream. The sun was gone now, and the fingers of shadowy night chilled the air. The shrieking and wailing of the people and the banging of their drums reached a climax. Cold panic gripped the animals, and those that only moments before were the deadliest of, animal, of enemies now ran side by side. The fox and the goose, the owl and the shrew, the cat and the hound ran round and round and round until they turned into one huge zoological pudding. Even the animals themselves were unable to distinguish one another. In fact, that's how the animals got their tails, but that's in another story. Jack's small brain was ill-equipped to deal with such a commotion, and it was as much as he could do to remember who he was at all. To save him from losing his wits entirely, he repeated to himself his own little riddle. A hopper of ditches, a cropper of corn, a little brown deer with leathery horn. This went on and on, little by little, until the sun returned and the people, realising that the demon of the night hadn't eaten their son after all, stopped the banging and shouting and went back to work. After carefully disentangling himself from all the other animals, Jack ran off to hide in a tree, just in case it should all happen again. <gasps> now this is my favourite character coming up. Now that the eclipse had passed, Jack decided to continue his journey, but just then he heard the strains of a sad and sorrowful tune. Looking out of the tree in which he was hiding, he saw a curious little man sitting on a hillock playing a violin. A hillock, just like that one. Jack jumped down. The little man was the oldest, most crinkled creature he had ever seen, except for an aged tortoise at the Werribee Zoo. Good day, said the musician. I am the man who plays the music that makes the world go round. Can I help you? Jack related his story and the man stopped the music. In my opinion, you require the assistance of the practical man. I am but a poet and a musician. You must go to the town and seek him out. To help you on the way, I shall play the song of the sun. 
As long as I play this tune, the day's eye cannot shut again. The man played the sweet song of the sun, and it made the happy daisies grow, and with the sound of the, the, sound of the song in his ears, Jack set off. But when he got to the town, all the shops were closed on account of it being Wednesday and half-day closing. <laughs> However, there was one dingy little antique shop that stayed open just to catch the passing trade. Jack peered in the window. Oh, step in, said the proprietor through the glass. I have many treasures of antiquity that will take your fancy. Or maybe I can show you a heirloom or two. <laughs> oh dear, thought Jack, a humorist. There's the antiquity shop. Jack entered the shop. Excuse me, sir, are you the practical man? Practical? <laughs> On Wednesday afternoons, I could be practically anything. What's up? Jack told of his adventures about the jump, the sun going out, and the little tortoise-like man. To listen better, the practical man took off his glasses and polished them with a red and white spotted handkerchief. But when it came to the bit about gold, he popped them back on his nose. Hmm, I have the solution. Fetch that eyeglass from the window whilst I collect the few other things we'll need. Moments later, the practical man had collected everything in an old cane-back chair. Picking the whole lot up, he waddled out of the shop. Come, let us take a stroll, then some tea, and maybe a little something to eat. <gasps> what do you think he wants to eat? Do you think he likes rabbit? Jack followed, and they went down the street, along the promenade, and down to the beach. The town was a well-known seaside resort. They walked along the sand until they came to a deserted spot, where the man emptied the chair of its contents and flopped himself down. This is just the spot for our experiment. Fetch driftwood and make a pile of it just there. Jack did as he was told. Taking the magnifying glass, the practical man held it over the pile and a tiny sun appeared on one of the sticks, getting hotter and hotter until with a pfft, it burst into flames. The sun's arrived, cried the practical man, pulling a toasting fork from outside of his jacket. Now, my little beauty, jump in. With the sting of a toasting fork in his bum, Jack jumped. Now, at this point, Sir Isaac Newton himself enters the story. By now, he is very old and grey, and some of his less good theories have been disproved by the clever men and women of today. But despite all, his universal law of gravitation still rules everywhere, sometimes unfortunately. Although the moon had disobeyed his laws and would therefore have to forfeit the harebell, it seemed unfair that the brave little hare should end up toasted by the practical man. Besides, although this may not be the happiest of tales, it is not a tragedy. When Isaac Newton saw Jack Hare jump towards the fire and the practical man brandishing the toasting fork, Sir Isaac grabbed the strings of gravitational force that bound Jack to his destiny and pulled. Jack was deflected mid-leap. He swerved sideways and fell splash into the water. This now completed the moon's curious instructions. He'd started in the earth, had gone up into the air with Tara treetops, had passed through the fire of the practical man, and now here he was in the water. Down and down he fell into the gloomy depths until he could hardly see a paw in front of his face. Then, through the murky waters, he saw a distant yellow light. This must surely be the sun, said Jack. 
To find out what he really saw, try to answer this slippery riddle. My first begins first, and I am myself second. My next is the end of ends, followed by the beginning of hope. Now put me on one line, and you will find my name. I live my whole life out of doors, but never feel the rain. What's that? A fish! That's what the riddle means. Jack could see now that it wasn't the sun after all. Good day, said the fish, sounding like someone with a mouthful of cherries. Ah, I, I thought you were the sun, said Jack. How absurd. No, no, said Jack, the sun, and he drew a big circle in the water. Then why have you come to the bottom of the ocean, asked the fish. Oh, dear me, thought Jack, this is going to take all day. I'll flatter him. Uh, please, O oh fish, most worthy, noble and glorious fish, please, fishy, most high, can you direct me to the sun? You've missed out, educated. I have just come from my school, said the fish. I will help you if you can answer this riddle. What is nothing on the outside and nothing on the inside is lighter than a feather, but ten men cannot pick it up. Jack opened his mouth and what came out? A bubble. Well done. Correct, said the fish. Now follow the frog. He will show you where lives the spirit of water. She will tell you how to get to the sun. Jack followed the frog and they swam until they came to a sparkling lake where a charming young lady swam back and forth measuring its length. Stand at the water's edge a little before the sun sets in the west and you will see a yellow carpet, she said. If you can run its length before the sun has time to set, you will reach your destination. Good luck. There she is. Already the golden light of late afternoon was colouring the sky and Jack realised that time was getting short. So, running as fast as his legs would carry him, he set off for the West Country. With not a minute to spare, he reached the shore and there, spread out over the sea between him and the sun, was a bright yellow pathway. Without stopping, not even to take a breath, the hare leaped. Jack travelled so speedily and reached such a velocity that Sir Isaac Newton and his gravity were forced to let him go. He had now escaped the Earth's powerful attraction and was travelling end over end through space toward the sun. Sir Isaac looked out over the sea and said to himself, Well, all my life I seem to have been only like a boy playing on the seashore and diverting myself in now and then finding a smoother pebble or a prettier shell than ordinary whilst the great ocean of truth lay all undiscovered before me. On reaching the sun, Jack was horrified to find that he no longer had the jewel. It was gone. Well, said the sun with a loud commanding voice, why have you come here? Jack thought quickly, then said, ah, oh, great Lord Sun, I bring you a precious gift from a noble and gracious lady, and it would be yours if it were not the answer to this riddle. Fifty is my first, nothing is my second, a snake will make my third, then three parts across is reckoned. 
Now to find my name, fit my parts together, I am all your past, and you fear me in cold weather. The sun set, and the day was over. And that is the end of the book, would you believe? Thank you. Now, I know it's a bit of a weird, sad, crazy ending because we don't know if the sun finds out, if the moon loves him and if Jack gets back, but I can promise you he does. And this amulet was made by the writer and he buried it somewhere in the world and he put the answers to where it was buried in this book. So there was a prize after all and someone actually did get Jack's lost amulet. Thank you so much for coming. If you're going to see the show, run away and see it and have a wonderful time. And if not, I Google this book and get it for the, for the pictures and make sure you look for the hair in every painting. What a great crowd. Thank you. <laughs>